to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John chapter 4. We're going to cover a pretty big section of Scripture here because a lot of what we're going to be talking about, it's really being uh, repeating a lot of what we've already talked about and I'm not going to repeat uh, everything that I've preached the last several weeks. But really, this is in a way the last message uh, that we're going to do in this series. Next week, I am, I'm planning on preaching um, uh, out of the book of 1 John, out of these last verses, but really, um, it's kind of, kind of goes. It's going to kind of go in a completely different direction. And there's the very last verse is really kind of where the text is going to be next week. And um, I, I think I, I hope that you it will be uh, an interesting message for you. I always try my best to make things interesting. You know, just to, you know, hold people's attention. I I, I don't take it lightly. Uh, people who come to church and come week after week and are here and you listen to the preaching and I, I really hope that uh, you do, you're do. you getting something out of these. I mean, obviously, you must be getting something. Uh, otherwise, you probably wouldn't be coming back unless you're just very obedient to uh, <laughs> being faithful in your church attendance. But uh, I hope these messages have been a help to you. And especially if salvation is something that you're just not real sure about. And we, boy, you want to make sure... You want to be sure about this. There's a lot of things that... You know, we'll probably never know until we get to heaven. And a lot of things that we do have to maybe wonder about and that are just kind of out there and up in the air. But this is something that well, I hope you can get assurance of. And I hope these messages are a help. We've had the outlines and all the bulletins. And if there's maybe one that you missed and you'd like to get some of those notes, let me know. I can get those for you. All the messages, you can go online and listen to them. And I really hope that they will be a help to you. I've enjoyed preaching these messages and studying for them. And uh, it, it helps me. Sometimes I need to go and I need to check, do a little bit of a checkup and go to the Word of God and remind myself of why I'm saved and, and uh, how I can know that I'm saved. And so, but in First John chapter four, verse seven, it says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love." In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, a person who's saved, remember, we're, we're looking, all these things are written that we might know that we have eternal life. And throughout this, He gives us different things that we can look at in our lives and they'll help reveal some things to us. And one of the things that we see is a person who is saved is going to know how to love others. You're going to know, you're going to know how. Because we have experienced that divine love from Christ. We've experienced it. We've been shown how to love other people. We've been the one that's been loved. We talked this morning in Sunday school about you know the importance of unity in a church and how there, the Bible says in Psalms 133 verse one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's a wonderful thing when we come to the house of God and we can have unity and have that fellowship. But not only is it good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity, it's bad and it's horrible when there is division and when there's strife. And that happens in church sometimes and people can get to where they literally hate each other. 
And you see that going on in church and the backbiting and the that can go on and just the the fighting that that happens sometimes. And I ask myself, how can this happen amongst believers? And the truth is, many times some of these people there. They're not saved. I'm not saying Christians are never going to get mad, never going to get angry, but listen, I don't see how a saved person can hate their brother in Christ. We see that throughout 1 John. That if you're saved, you're going to love your brother. You might not love everything that they do. They might do some things that really drive you nuts and things that you hate, but hopefully you love them just like a parent. They love their children. I mean, even if they do horrible things, you still love them. You still care about them, brothers and sisters. You know, while we want to strangle each other sometimes, you still love them. My sisters—they drove me nuts growing up, but I loved them. If somebody ever tried, you know, I was the only one that was allowed to be mean to them. If somebody else would have tried being mean to them, there would have been a problem. That was those are my sisters. You're not, you can't help but love them. Even though they did, even though they would drive me crazy, even though my little sister Carrie, she would always get in my room and get into my baseball cards. It drove me nuts. Those were my prized possessions. But I still, I still loved her. And you know what? In, when you're in the house of God, people are going to do things that drive you crazy sometimes. But you know what? There's just going to be something there where you still love them because they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. You, you can't help. But love them, even if they do things that they shouldn't do, even if they do something that's wrong and wicked, you're just you're still going to love them. And you say, I, I just can't do that. I don't have that in me. Well, then I'm sad to say you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I don't know how a person could love like that, really, because I see in the Bible where God did that very thing for us. God loved us even when we didn't deserve it. God loved us while we were yet sinners. God's good to us even when we don't deserve it. He's He's done that for me. Hasn't He done that for you? If you're saved, He has. If He's dwelling, if He's in your heart, He's done that for you. And you ought to be able to do that. Jesus Christ, He's left us an example that we can follow. 1 Peter 2.21 For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. He set an example for us. You all would think I was a terrible parent if I went to my kids and I'm making them do things, but I never show them how to do those things. If there's some things you got to teach them. If I just went to my kids, it's like, hey, the cars broke down, go fix it. Well, they're not just going to automatically know how to do that. You have to you have to teach them. You have to show them and. I definitely couldn't do that because nobody's taught me and showed me yet, but they've tried. <laughs> but it hasn't worked. But you got it show Jesus didn't do that for us. He left us an example. He showed us so we could follow his steps. He did he he didn't take shortcuts through it. He lived it all out for us. We can follow what he did. He's shown it in our own lives. He's given us that love. And not only do we, should we know how to love other people even when they don't deserve it. We ought to want to do it. There's just something... I've heard the stories before about people going through the drive-thru and they'll maybe pay for the meal for the person behind them. And then that person behind them pays for the one behind them and it'll just go on and on and on. You know why? When somebody does something kind to you, you want to do it to somebody else. And Jesus Christ, if He's shown you that love and you've experienced that love, you're going to want to show it to somebody else. 
You're going to want to be. You're going to want to reach out to those people who maybe to the world are unlovable or maybe worthless. Because you understand that when we were in our sins, we were unlovable. We were worthless. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And you're going to want to show that to other people. And I tell you, I scratch my head at people who are in churches today that just don't seem to love their brother and sisters in Christ. Seem to even hate them. I'll talk to people sometimes and I'll be inviting them to church. I used to go to church, but I quit going because... And then they'll start talking about people they used to go to church with. Oh, the pastor did this, did that. And they just, boy, you can just you can just see the hatred in their eyes as they're telling these stories. And you, and listen, I, I know it's no fun when you get burned, and yet it, you might you're gonna you might get hurt, but it shouldn't take away the love that you have. You ought to have that love should be there. But we have what we need inside of us to give us the ability to love like Christ did. It's it's there. He gave he got. If you're saved today, God has given you that ability. Verse eleven says, "Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another." No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. God does not tell us to do something that's impossible for us to do. He would not do that. Just like I wouldn't go to my kids and tell them, you know, go repair the car when it's broke down. They don't have the ability. They're not ready for that. They don't have the tools. They don't have the knowledge. I haven't given them what they need to be able to do that. But God does not give us a command and not give us what we need to follow that command. He's given us of His Spirit. So the Bible says, He's given us of His Spirit. Christ does... A lot of times people think that Jesus Christ, He lives through us. But we see in the Bible that it's us that lives through Christ. God, that we're spoke, uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God, He has all kinds of things that He asks us to do that yes, to us, that should be impossible. I mean, that great commission to go into all the world and preach the Gospel, to tell other people how to get saved, how can we do that? To be an example, you know, raising good children in this difficult day that we live in, you know, living righteously and godly in this present world. How can we do these things? We do it through Christ. Not on our own. We do it through Him. He gives us that ability. He's given us His Spirit. And we can live through Him. And that's what we need to do. We've got to stop relying on ourselves and start relying on Him. Say, you know what? That person in the church, they just drive me crazy and I can't ever love them, but I can through Christ. I can through His Spirit. It's not my personality. A lot of times people will blame their sin on their personality. Well, it's just who I am. Okay, well, it's time for you to live through Christ. You can do it. He's given you that ability. Listen, I, I know I've got I've got all kinds of problems. I know firsthand about these things, but God doesn't let me use them as an excuse. I, I sometimes, you know, if I wanted, I could get up here and I could just lose it and lose my temper and have a bad attitude. I I might feel like doing that sometimes, but thank God I don't have to live 
through me. I don't have to just... And thank God He doesn't just live through us because we're, we're not that great. But we live through Him. And He is great. And I can have the right kind of attitude. I can do right even when it's difficult. Even when it goes against my nature. I am not by nature a patient person. I'm not. Ask my wife and kids when we're at a stoplight sometimes and it turns green and people don't go right away. You know, come on! I, I'm not patient by nature. And you know, since we've started this church, you know, I, I, there's always new things where I've got I've to learn patience. And I have to often go to God and say, Lord, You're going you're to have to help me with this. And Lord, You're going to have to give me patience and I have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and have to follow the Word of God. If I just did what I feel like doing, uh, it would be bad. It'd be bad real fast. Because me, I'm, I want things to happen. Boom, right now. I mean, now. You know, I want everything now. And that's just that's how I am. But I'm not supposed to live according to my flesh. I'm supposed to live through Christ. You say, I can't do that. If He's dwelling inside of you, you can. You can. You just got to let, you got to let Him work. You got to let Him have His way. You got to surrender your will to His will. Jesus even did that. He said, Lord, not my will, but Thine be done. We've got to say that. And too many people today, they're blaming the law. I've got a temper. I had to punch them. I can't help it. You know, you can help it. You can help it. You can control yourself. Christ, He'll give you the ability to do that. We have what we need inside of us. Then thirdly, when we show the love of God in our lives... It removes the guilt, fear, and pain that comes with sin. I want you to look at this next verse, verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. There's a lot lot in that verse there, but I want you to notice that statement there. It says, there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear. Do you realize? I got to thinking about this. Most of, I mean, maybe if not all, of the things that we fear in our life and the things that we, the troubles that we get ourselves into, uh, the things that get us stressed out and concerned, a lot of times would have go away if it were if we would have had the right kind of love. I mean, you think about it. If you have not been, you know, kind to your neighbor. If you haven't been shown a perfect love, you might have to worry about that relationship. You might be having problems. There may be strife there. If you haven't been loving your husband or your wife like you should, there may be strife there in the marriage. You might have to worry about what's going to happen when you come home. You might be stressed out in your life. But when we have that perfect love, it gets rid of all that. It casts out. It casts out fear because fear has torment. It's amazing how many people they are living in fear of 
Literally everything. Just constantly down. If we would have that right kind of love, it would get rid of those things. Verse 20 says, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? If you Notice how it says, if you, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. You cannot love somebody that you haven't seen when you can't even love somebody that you have seen. And you think about even in church today, people they're not having that perfect love, and they they'll sometimes they'll bring that strife in there, and they'll bring that they'll bring that anger, and they have these bad attitudes towards people, and it causes them where it takes to even fear coming to church. They can't come to church in the right spirit and the right spirit, the right attitude, because they have not shown that love of God in their life. They have not allowed the love of God to show in their life. They haven't given it to other people and it causes problems. Verse 21, And this commandment have we from Him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. We're going to have that love. And when you do, when you love other people like you should, it's going to make things a whole lot better for you. Say, well, they don't deserve it. Well, that first of all, that has nothing to do with whether you should love them or not. But when you show that kind of love, it helps you out. It helps take a lot of the fear out of your life. It takes that torment out of your life. Hatred has never helped anybody. Hatred makes people miserable. It's going to ruin your life. You can sit there and you can think and you can hate that person all you want and it's not going to do a thing to them, but it's going to destroy you. It's going to tear you up. And it's and it's sad how many people today whose lives are so filled with bitterness and filled with anger towards other people. And I'm here today to tell you that that is not that should not be in the life of a believer, and it's not going to be in the life of a believer. Say, so I love God, but I hate church people. I hate other Christians. Then you're lying. Based on the Word of God, you're not telling the truth. If you love God, you're going to love His people. And it, listen, there's people that I love just because maybe somebody else loves them that I care about. For example, uh, you know, there's there's people that I've never met that I'm concerned about because I love that person, Brother Gomer. I've got to know him real well over the last several months. I'm anxious, you know, today we're going to be going to the Sterling Pavilion Nursing Home. I, 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 want to, I want to meet his wife. I'm anxious to meet his wife. I, I just like to see her. I'm, I'm concerned about her because I care, I care about him. Therefore, I care about her because I know he loves her. I know how much he cares about her. Same thing with, with you all in here. If you all had a family member that you lost... I would be sad by that, even though I might not even know them. You know why? Because I love you. I care about you. And so therefore, they are important even to me. And it's the same way with God's people. If we love God, we're going to love His people. It would be very hard for our relationship. You know, Brother Anderson, if I say, hey, you're a great friend. I love you, but I can't stand your wife. You think we're going to have a good relationship? Absolutely not. He's going to take. He's going to be very offended by that. And the truth is, uh, if I did care about him, I'm going to want. To, I'm going to want to care about his wife. 
because that's the way true love works. That's the way perfect love works. And for us to say that we love God, but we hate His people, there is something very wrong. And that should not happen. And if it is, if that is that way in your life, you really need to get searched and say, hey, do I really have salvation? Do I really have God's Spirit? I can't seem to find that love inside of me anywhere. And if it's not there, it's because Christ isn't there. And you need to get Him in your life. You need to call on Him for salvation. We need to remember that we never went searching for God. He came searching for us. Romans 3.10 says, for there is no, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You might think, well, I'm searching for God. I've been looking for God. If that is the case, it's because in some way, God has already been pursuing you. The Holy Spirit has been drawing you. He always initiates that. It's God that comes seeking after us. He loves us first, and then we love Him back. Nobody loves God first. God loves us first. God shows us love first. And then we show it back. And when you got saved, it wasn't because you were on this quest to find God. It was because God was on a quest to find you. It was because God was coming and God was looking for you. And we need to remember that. God came looking for us. We didn't come looking for Him. And we ought to, that's why we ought to be able to do that for other people. We're not, we, don't need, we shouldn't have to wait around for others to come and show us love. We, go, we do it first. Because we know how to do that. That's exactly what God did for us. He showed us how. He's asked us to do that same thing. And we ought, we ought to be willing to do that to show that love for other people. We didn't go searching for God. He came searching for us. But when, we get, when, when you get saved, I mean, there's... A lot of times people think, well, I want to get, you know, I want to get saved because I want to go to heaven. I want to get saved because I don't want to go to hell. And, but I, I don't want anything else to do with it. I don't want to, I'm not going to be a fanatic. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be all hardcore about this thing. I just, I kind of want to do it in passing. And the truth is, that kind of attitude really worries me about whether or not somebody really got salvation. 1 John chapter 5, to go to the next chapter, says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. Boy, if churches would, people in churches would just figure that out, it would make preaching a whole lot easier. It's amazing how many things today that preachers feel like they can't preach about. I can't preach on that. That'll, that'll, I'll lose half my church if I preach that. Well, why is that? Is it, is it bad? Is it unpleasant? The Bible says His commandments are not grievous. And if we love Him, we're going to keep His commandments. 
It, are we saying that our churches are full of people that are not saved? Because in the Bible we see that if we love Him, if we're saved, we love Him. If we love Him, we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So why are we so scared to maybe preach against certain sins or to preach that we should do something? The truth is, when we when you get saved, one thing you start finding out quick is that this Word of God that we have is precious. That the commandments of God are precious. That they uh, they will protect us from so many problems. People often after they get saved, they start studying the Word of God and they start reading about all. The, they start studying the commandments of God and they read about all these things and they see how God has commanded us not to do them. And they're like, those are the very things that were destroying my life. Those are the very things that made me miserable. This is wonderful. What a wonderful book. Why didn't, why didn't I learn this a long time ago? They realize that this Word, God's Word, is true. And I'm here today to tell you that the more of the Bible that you not just learn, but the more of the Bible that you follow and that you put into practice, the better it gets. I mean, you're gonna just you're gonna love the Word of God. You're gonna love His commandments. A person who is saved is gonna have a desire to please the Holy God who saved them. You're gonna you're gonna want to please Him. It's just it's gonna be natural that you would want to do that. Just like if somebody saved your life, you would love to do something for them. You would love to honor them in any way that you could. And the truth is. God is pleased when we keep His commandments. If we love Him, we're going to want to please Him. We're going to want to do. Uh, we're going to want to do something for Him. In Psalms 119, verse 97, the whole chapter of Psalms 119 is all about the Word of God and about how much the psalmist loved the Word of God and His commandments. But listen, Psalms 119, verse 97. It says, "Oh, how I love Thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Though Thou, although through Thy commandments." Has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What a beautiful passage of Scripture that is. But we see how much he he loved the Word of God. He's like, this gives me understanding. He's like, I have more knowledge than all my teachers because he's followed his Word. I understand more than the ancients or even the older ones who should be wiser I understand even more than them because I followed Thy Word. I've kept Thy Word. And the Word of God I'm here today to tell you is a wonderful thing. The commandments of God are wonderful. They, Yes, they do go against the desires of our flesh. Our flesh does not like much of what's in the Word of God. My flesh does not like the verse that says to turn the other cheek. My flesh doesn't like that. My flesh doesn't like the verses about patience. My verse, my flesh doesn't like the verse that says be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. My flesh 
doesn't like that. But my spirit loves it. Because I understand that when I go by my flesh, when I am angry and I sin, I get all, I cause a lot of trouble for myself. When I don't when I don't show well when I don't follow the commandments, there's always consequences that come with it. Most of the the problems that we have in our life, the most of the misery that comes in our life, most of it is either because, uh, if not all of it, is because of our own sin, or because of somebody else's sin. We sin, we cause ourselves grief. Somebody else sins, they cause us grief. We understand that sin is what's the cause of all the misery in this world. And when we understand that, it's going to cause us to love the Word of God. And it's going to cause us to have a desire to follow it and to teach other people to follow it because sin is just a chain reaction. It's like one person sins against somebody else and then they want to go and do that same sin to somebody else and it just spreads. But when we love the Word of God, we understand if we do good, not only are we preventing some sin, which is preventing even more sin, but that good that we do may cause somebody else to do good. And we have the ability by following the Word of God to make an impact and to make a difference. Think, how can I... I can't make a difference. There's just too much wickedness. You'd be surprised what you can do. You follow the Word of God. You can make a difference. You can make a difference in your church. You can make a difference in your family. You can even make a difference in your community by following the Word of God. His commandments are not grievous. They go against our flesh. But when we follow them, when we do what we're supposed to do, there are rewards that are so great. And it's not... I mean, it, it, it literally sometimes I felt when I was a youth pastor and I'd be teaching these you know, the teenagers some of the commandments of God. You mean, it, the way they looked at me, it was as if I told them that they you know, had to go blow themselves up for the cause of Christ. Thank God he, our God doesn't ask us to blow ourselves up. But boy, the way you look, the way some people act, you'd think God did. They look at the command, you know, that verse in the Bible says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, not going to church." What? We're supposed to go to church? We're supposed to be faithful to the house of God? What? We're supposed to love our enemies? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Look, His commandments aren't grievous. You know, if we would love our enemies, I personally believe we would have much fewer enemies. They'd probably become friends real quick. But we believe in punch our enemies. And that just usually creates more enemies. And we make things worse and worse when we go by the flesh. And I feel like a lot of times, I even like even right now, in a way I feel like I'm trying to prove, you have to prove that the commandments of God aren't bad. That you have to prove that they're wonderful. And it ought to be obvious that we ought to believe it just because the Bible says so. But I'm here today, I can tell you from experience that this is true. And that if you follow the commandments of God, you will be able to say the same thing. That the commandments are not grievous. Maybe they're hard sometimes because you got it. that flesh is so powerful. But they're not grievous. They are wonderful. And you're going to want to learn more. But God will give a saved person the ability to do right and get victory over sin. I've, I've talked to so many people. I remember when I was in detention home, I'd be talking to kids who were already at young ages involved in so much garbage and so much filth. And they would ask, a lot of times they would ask me, I was like, so if I become a Christian, does that mean I gotta 
you know, quit doing this and quit doing that. And I got, you know, am I supposed to start doing all these things? And and they would they would say, I don't think I could. I was like, I could never give that up. I could never do this or that. A lot of them, they would talk about their tempers, and they would say, I can't control it. I can't. I don't have the ability to control it. I cannot control my temper. And first of all, you know, I tell them, yes, you can. You can control your temper. But they'd say, I can't. And I would try to tell them that, listen, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, He will give you the ability to overcome those sins. You do not have to be a slave to those drugs. You don't have to be a slave to your anger or your temper. You don't have to do it. God can give you victory. We see in verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You just you gotta have faith. But many times people don't I I just I don't believe that. Have faith. Trust God. He can give you the victory over that sin that's in your life. Yes, it may be defeating you. Maybe you've tried every, all the programs that are out there to help you get over some of these things. But have you tried Christ? Do you just put your faith and trust in Him? That victory that He has, it will overcome the world. Who is He that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which He has testified of His Son. We've got to stop listening to men over God. I mean, it's like you go witness to somebody and they're like, I can't get saved. I can't give up that sin. It's like people think, well, I guess they're right. They said they can't. No, yes they can. God said that they can. We do have the witness of man. Man says one thing, but God's witness is greater. If God says they can, then yes, they can. We've got to stop believing people over the Word of God. God's witness is greater. Verse 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. Not, not, when we contradict the Bible, not only are we a liar, but we're basically calling, we are calling God a liar. We're saying that what He said is not true. I wouldn't recommend calling God a liar. It's impossible for God to lie. Verse 11, And this is the record that God hath given us to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That sums it up right now. These things have I written unto you that believe that ye may know I believe there's many people today sitting in churches and there may be some here today you believe but you don't know. You're you're going along with it but you're just not sure. You believe but you don't. You may be even you might even be saved but you don't know it. And God gave us this book of the Bible here that way we can know. He wants us he wants us to know it. And he's given us some things that we can look at 
and I hope you will do. I hope you'll do this. I hope. I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that we covered. I, I I challenge you to go back and read that whole book of First John. You can do it in not long at all, probably twenty minutes. I encourage you to look back over these notes to search your heart. He's given us this book so we can know that we have eternal life. He's, there's, there's all, there should be all kinds of evidence there. And if it's not there, then it's time to get it taken care of. Time to call on God for salvation. Time to ask Him to save us so we can have that Assurance. You're not going to be able to be a victorious Christian if you're not sure about this. You're not going to be able to tell other people how to be saved if you're not even sure how to be saved. Something that's so important that we get that nailed down. And if maybe you know, maybe you know you're not saved. We know you can get that taken care of. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Him. Stop worrying about yourself. We see there in this passage uh, that it's we just have to have faith. Our faith is what can give us the victory that will overcome the world. Just have faith. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Live through Christ. And you do that, He'll give you victory and He'll help you so you can have that assurance and know that you're saved. With that, let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.